Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. We are all on the journey to discover the light inside, that beacon which guides us to live our truest, most authentic self. This is episode 0054. Throughout our everyday lives, we often find ourselves caught in struggle and wrestling with some of our deepest held emotions. Reliving the situations which bring us pain and suffering, replaying the scenes in every detail we can remember. In her career as an adjunct professor of psychology at Cape Cod Community College, our guest Sherry Anna Boyle has been supporting educators and families along their emotional journey since 1995. In our discussion today, we share why your emotions matter and how processing them matters even more. We explore why emotional detox is a reset for the soul, fleshing out negative feelings, which clears our path for new habits and behaviors. In our conversation, Sherry Anna will show how all emotions are good, revealing that no emotion is toxic. We discover how to uncover suppressed reactions and very effectively release them, allowing us to change the way we relate to our emotions. Join in as we learn to free ourselves to process and experience all of our emotions in a more healthy way. On this episode of The Light Inside. I want to share a little secret with you today about a podcast booking and matching platform I truly love. As a podcast host and guest, my go-to podcast booking app is podmatch.com. If you currently have a podcast, regularly guest on podcast, or if you are new to the podcasting game looking to start your show, podmatch.com is an industry leader. They quickly and effortlessly connect ideal podcast guests and hosts. Their process is super easy and highly effective. Create your free guest or host account and set up your profile. It's really that easy. And the Podmatch AI will work its magic in the background, delivering your ideal interview matches within minutes, tailored uniquely for you. As a host and executive producer of the Top 100 Self-Improvement Podcast, The Light Inside, I found more high-quality guests on Podmatch than anywhere else and in a fraction of the time. So if you're looking to expedite your podcast booking experience, fill in your calendar with high-engagement content, creating value and meaning for your listening community. Check out podmatch.com, that's P-O-D-match.com, today and discover your ideal match magic. is Sherry Anna Boyle. She is known as being one of the greatest thought leaders of our time. She is redefining not only the way you see your emotions, but also how to process them. Hello, Sherry Anna. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. 
as I was sitting down this morning and putting thoughts together, this is like literally probably three or four episodes in a series of looking at our emotional well-being. I like to focus in with you, if I could today, on that toxic element and how we recognize that and move into it. Uh, yeah. Sherry Anna, your Psych Central article entitled Emotional Detox, Three Ways to Cleanse Yourself of Stagnant Emotions. You shared a great quote saying, emotions are one of life's gifts. They offer us a way to experience the full spectrum of what it means to be alive. When we have a healthy relationship to our emotional experience, we can appreciate what each of us has to offer from sadness to joy. If we find ourselves overreacting to situations of withdrawing, why might we want to consider an emotional detox? Wow, man. Now that's a good point to just jump in today and look at how we build our relationship with our emotions. The functions of our emotions, we know, is a crucial part in forming our behaviors and aligning us within the essence of our humanness. It's how I like to frame it, not just dealing with ourselves, but it's that interpersonal interaction with others, too. So often we get so caught in our own personal emotional interaction that we also lose sight that that is a balanced reaction. And the interaction with others can often trigger that within us. So how do we gain an awareness which aligns us of all these functions in a healthy relationship within our essential nature? The way emotional detox works and the way it's the foundation for it, first of all, is that all emotions are good so long as they're processed. That's what this whole principle is built upon. So there's no good emotion, bad emotion, better or worse. They're all good so long as they're processed. So the way that we reduce reactions is to process your emotions, mm -hmm. but you're not actually getting rid of your emotions. I think sometimes people think of it that way. You're actually releasing the way you react to your emotions and you're letting the emotions mm -hmm. just be as they are. So once you make that shift, Jeffrey, of, okay, I'm not actually removing my emotions. They're not toxic. If I label them, I might believe that they are. If I say this one's good, bad, or I have too much of this one and too little of this one, which a lot of people do that too. I want more of this emotion. I want less of this emotion. When you do that, you're reacting. So the idea of an emotional detox, the reactions are what's toxic hmm. so that you can actually be with your emotions and give them permission to do what they do best. And they bring you a lot of energy and consciousness. And once they do that, you're going to feel better and you're going to see things differently. How, from your perspective and within your framework, do we define and begin to form a new awareness of when our emotions are becoming toxic. You know, what are toxic emotions? Let's look at it from that angle first. You know, what are some of the emotions that mm. can become toxic in nature and can all emotions mm. in some form become toxic in nature? No emotion is toxic. So I'm just going to be clear. None of them are toxic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let me reframe that. Yeah. It's our relationship. Yeah. So often we become our emotions. Yeah. We think that that is a part of who we are rather than the way we simply are interacting right. with the relationship. 
thank you for calling me on that. <laughs> there again, there's a pattern. There's a pattern and we all have yeah. to be reminded, Jeffrey, even I have to kind of <laughs> remind myself because we, we are so trained. It's so ingrained in us. It's been that way really since the beginning of mankind. We look at it, emotions a certain mm. way. And so it's going to take time for us to adjust to this new way. And so, yeah, what you're saying is, how do we not identify with them? How do we not become it? How does it not sort of take over and become the way, you know, a lot of people will say, for example, my anxiety, my anxiety, my anger, my stress. It's like, well, that's, you're identifying with that. What do you mean my anxiety? So it doesn't go away. (laughs) You're just, you're just anxiety. That's who you are. Uh, you're not, you're not anxiety. You're far more than that. And it really minimizes us and devalues us and holds us down. And we kind of oppress ourselves and suppress ourselves when we allow ourselves to continue those conversations. So what do you do? Well, you, again, the point of an emotional detox is first you have to figure out, and I think this is really what you're asking, what exactly am I cleansing? And that is the first thing is, okay, if I'm saying my anxiety or if I'm identifying with my emotions rather than feeling them, because identifying is not feeling, Mm. it's thinking about them, it's believing them, it's creating a narrative or story. That's exactly what I'm going to be cleansing in the emotional detox is my behavior, my habit of addressing things that way. And once I recognize that and I clear that, you know, I was just working with someone before I got on the call and it, you know, I'll call it, it's like a pain management thing. You know, it's like, we're all doing our own form of pain management. And that is, we're all managing our emotions and the challenge is eventually you get exhausted from that. Eventually you get to a place where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not happy. This isn't fulfilling me. I'm not satisfied with my life. I'm tired and I need to focus on myself a little bit. I mean, that's really the point you get to because pain management, (laughs) you do it not just in your own life, but you can start managing other people's pain, right? And their emotions. So what are you cleansing? A lot of stuff. Jeffrey, it's all of it, all of it. And you just sort of, you observe and you say, okay, this is really interesting. I just caught myself managing what I feel and what the emotional detox has the book and emotional detox for anxiety is it has a system called cleanse. And I say, just go to the cleanse and move through those steps and allow yourself permission to clear those reactions so that you can begin to create something new. I like looking at that angle when you mentioned <laughs> thinking our emotions yeah. versus feeling. I can see where sometimes, and I like to frame it in that way, I can see where sometimes any one of us can step off of that path and say, what is feeling my emotion? What is thinking my emotion? And especially over thinking an emotion. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Jeffrey, is emotional detox, the core book was my sixth, seventh book. And after that, I wrote emotional detox for anxiety. And 
when I started to work on emotional detox, I had looked at the research. I had studied emotions. I presented it to my publisher, which was Simon & Schuster. And they said, this looks great, but you still need to do more work. So I went back and I did more work and I spent another two months on it, went back and they said, okay, now you've got something. And then shortly after that, once I was ready to rock and start writing this, I was hit with a really traumatic thing in my life. It was very traumatic news. It affected me. It affected my whole family. And so now here I am. I'm not just writing about it. I need an emotional detox. And so how this leads to what you were saying that thinking and feeling are not the same. (laughs) Once I went to therapy because I was in crisis and I didn't have a therapist at the time. So I thought, okay, I got to go to therapy. That's what I'm supposed to do right now. Right. But I I really became like the worst patient client, whatever you want to call me, because I had all this information in my head about emotions. And I thought to myself, this isn't working for me. I can't do this. And so I went through maybe two, three therapists. Finally, I found one that worked. But even that one, it worked for about six months. And then I thought, I can't keep going with this because this is just rehashing everything. And if I'm not able to go home after therapy and feel lighter, better, freer, more productive, focused, I have an issue with that. So what ended up happening was I was in therapy and the therapist got distracted and needed to get up and attend to something. And in that moment, it was silent and it was quiet and I heard a voice and it was loud and clear. And I said, okay, that's really interesting. Hmm. So I left therapy and I was walking in my car and my husband was with me at the time. And I looked at him, I said, I'm not going back. And he said, what do you mean? (laughs) And I said, you can go back, but I'm not going back. This is it. And I would go home and I would sit in a chair and I'd talk to that, whatever that voice, wherever it came from. And I said, tell me more because I I need help here. What's going on? And that's when I really started to realize that's when the cleanse channeled through those steps. And that's when I realized that talking is great, but after you process your emotions, that's what I've learned. We've done the opposite, Jeffrey. We talk and then maybe go home and process. But the challenge is all that talking can bring up triggers. And then your 50 minutes is up. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to go home and figure out how to function. And I don't believe in that anymore. And I believe in therapy, but I believe we need to flip it. And I believe that we need to be processing first and then have a conversation because the conversation will sound, look, and feel much different. And you really ought to leave feeling empowered after a situation like that. I think that awareness is key there. Are we being aware of what we're feeling, how we align, coming to that understanding of where that then, like you said, triggers us to interact? Yeah, we all have a lot on our plates, Jeffrey. I mean, we have a lot to juggle. Let's face it. There's a lot of challenges here on earth that nobody gets out of that for sure. Nobody gets a a free ticket. We have these things that we're moving through. And so I find when you process your emotions, you really just 
you gain something every time. You never lose your game. But again, it's not about talking. It's about learning to feel your emotions without the narratives. And the cleanse helps me to do that. Other people might have other ways. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the only way. I've been teaching yoga for 19 years and meditating and all that. That wasn't doing it for me. I really needed a system that really helped me get clear on what was going on because a lot of emotions that are coming up. So when you feel something like anger intensely or resentment, those real intense emotions, it's because they were already there. So as much as we want to blame the thing in front of us, like the coronavirus or our partner or our boss, all of this stuff was already there. It's just, it's all being brought out. It's all coming to the surface. And so it has a very long lineage and sometimes it crosses generational and our emotions when we feel them, however, convert to energy, which can cross those barriers. Talking can't. Talking just keeps you sort of on one, one level of healing. We got to up the ante right now because stuff's coming up for people and for all of us just to go around talking, well, you can see it's not working. People don't get things done. Look at our government. Nobody gets anything done. Mm. (laughs) There's like a ton of them and they're all running into each other. They're all in chronic levels of reactivity. I don't care what you believe or what your party is. They're all just bumping into each other. And so nothing changes. And so what I'm saying is we have to clear the reactions and that is the blaming, the, the complaining, the talking about it, the venting. And you see it all over social media, people yelling at people and defensiveness. All of that is suppressing our emotions. And your emotions is really the thing that's going to free you when we feel them. To me, the hardest connection often to make is I'm feeling this. And then that driver urge, whether it's a learned or just Mm. simply how we're connecting with it in the moment response, Mm -hmm. that reaction. Sure. How do we bridge that? Again, I'm trying to reframe that language from Mm. bridge versus manage. Yeah. Feeling, let it float, move through comes to mind with me, you know, through my own experience with therapy and dealing with my own resolve with my emotions, Mm -hmm. feeling recognize, let it float through, resolve. Yeah. So, so that is a little bit of the process. The way that the cleanse works is the steps build on each other. So the cleanse is an acronym for an emotional detox. Yes. And the first step, the C is called clear reactivity, which is you basically, you want to get grounded in your body. It's like anything, Jeffrey, like you don't want to go having a conversation without kind of centering yourself. Right. And so many, yes. <laughs> so many people do. We, we send a text or an email yes. and we're like, shit, I could have redone that. I could have said that better. You know, now we're in reactivity. Now we're in these dynamics. Da, da, da. And so it's really that C is about let's get centered. Let's get in our bodies. Let's connect our brain and our gut. Your gut is communicating with your brain all the time. And your gut is telling your brain whether you're okay or not, whether you're safe, whether you're calm. So it's not just about talking comes from brain. Yes. (laughs) Whereas in order to really get to that gut connection, we have to do more 
exercises that are mindful and centering, like breathing, like stretching, like yawning, anything like that is going to help bring you to your body. And again, we connect the brain and the gut and the heart. It's just like your car. When it gets out of alignment, you got to bring it in alignment so you can drive it properly. We have to do that as well. Right. And (laughs) a lot of us are going through life swerving in sideways. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it happens. You know, we got to bump it back on course. We don't want to drive that thing into the ditch. And the next thing is, you know, the L, which is look inward. And that's that space you're really asking about. And what you're saying is how do we acknowledge and then sort of let it flow? Well, you have to take what's happening. I always say go as close to the moment as you can. Don't go for the big head honcho, meaning like trauma from life, you know, (laughs) go with the little things like, gee, when so-and-so said that, that made me feel and just breathe into that and allow those emotions to come up. Even if they're ridiculous, you're like, oh, I felt angry and resentful and 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 it doesn't match the situation. And you're like, why am I feeling so angry and resentful? I know that that it doesn't matter. Just let it come up. Don't analyze it. Don't judge it. If that's what pops up in your mind, let it be because that's what's looking to be acknowledged, validated, and released. And then look at, okay, if I'm feeling angry, how am I managing that? What am I doing? Am I talking to myself a lot? Am I telling myself not to be angry? Am I gossiping? Am I eating food? Am I spending time on my phone? What am I doing to avoid that feeling of anger? I know mentally it's there, but how am I keeping myself from actually allowing it to exist? in my body. And then that's when you go into the next step of the cleanse, which is emit, which is when we bring vibration into the body. So the vibration that comes in, it's like giving you a push on the swing or a little push on your bike. And now you can glide a little bit. So we're just letting that glide through you. But we really need that awareness first of how you're preventing and coping and managing. And then after that, it's about okay, I'm swinging. I can feel it, but what am I focusing on? Because if we don't go to the A, which is activate, which means activate joy. If I don't start to kind of reshift my awareness on what I want to focus on, if I'm not angry, I'm focusing on peace, images of peace, not necessarily words, images. The body responds to imagery really well. The subconscious mind responds to imagery. The higher conscious mind responds to imagery. So now I'm connecting to higher aspects of myself. I'm having a dialogue that is not on a physical level. I'm really getting very clear with the universe of what I'm focusing on now. That's the A. And then the N is nourish. And that's some tools for how to really strengthen this. And then it moves into the S, which is surrender. And that's your free will statement, which I have in the book. It's like walking you to a point and then the door is open. And now you have to walk through the door. I can't walk you any further. I have to let go of your hand and you have to choose to step through and say, I choose this new state of being. I choose this because your free will is everything. Nobody can make you feel a feeling. So you walk over that threshold and then you land into the E, which is ease of the cleanse. And that is the I am space, which is like really like coming home, coming home to yourself, coming home to wholeness, 
coming home to the source of who you are, and that is love. Really, I believe that there's only one emotion, and that's love. Mm -hmm. Everything else Mm -hmm. is a reaction. Speaking to that point, that brings me back to an insight I had this morning. You know, (laughs) our emotions color life experiences and give those experiences meaning and flavor. Sometimes those experiences leave a bad taste in our mouth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those experiences, as we project them out especially, leave a bad flavor in someone else's mouth by our reaction. Mm-hmm. There are times when those emotions run afoul, as you mentioned. You know, they get the best of us. There are those times where we simply act out of patterned response or simply mirroring learned or imprinted emotional traumas or emotional behaviors. Mm-hmm. How can we recognize some of those things? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Jeffrey. We do have that mechanism. It's called mirror neurons where we actually, we can mimic, you know, if you feel like, I know I'm at the age now where I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like my mother. Oh my God, I'm just like my father, you know? (laughs) After a while, it starts to become apparent. The apple sometimes, as much as I hate to mirror another redundancy, does not fall far from the tree. Good and bad. Yeah. I mean, it is how our human anatomy, you know, through mirror neurons, we do learn. I mean, that's why it is important for us to know this now. But the good news is that means we can teach our children how to process their emotions as well. They can learn that aspect. And so as far as your question about how we pick up the patterns, is that what you were asking? Let's center it there. Yeah. You know, how can we start to relate mm. a, some of the patterns of mm. realizing, Hey, I feel this feeling. I behave in this okay. way. Well, what causes some of that feeling? Where did that feeling come from? Well, it's always in us. And I know we don't like to hear that. We much prefer it be focused on someone else. And that's one of the ways that we are in a yes, pattern. We learned that so often. <laughs> He made me mad. He caused me anxiety. That reaction forms in your brain as much as it doesn't always ring true to us, as much as we don't always allow that space for ownership and acknowledgement. That is a huge pattern that you're identifying right now. And one of the biggest patterns, I believe there's collective patterns. I Really, honestly, the same patterns circle everybody, every family, every person. How do we learn? You know, we learn by observing most of the time we're experiencing it. And then oftentimes we experience something and then replicate it. Absolutely. So the way that we break a pattern is through repetition. We have to develop practices. I think that's why you see so many books out there on mindful practices, daily practices kind of thing. And the reason is because it's in order to change the brain and the body and a pattern, you do need to develop some sort of a practice. And I'm saying practice feeling, just practice every day. That's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I sit down with my coffee and and I go through my cleanse no matter what, because even when we sleep, stuff shows up, Jeffrey. I mean, that's a big way our emotions show up there as well through our dreams and before we go to sleep. And so mm. let's just embrace it. Right? We're never going to be like, yes. Yes. we're not a computer that you empty out. I know sometimes we're taught to think we are, but we're not, we're unlimited. So we have to remember we're infinite potential and we have infinite memory. We don't exhaust our memory. Actually our brains, they don't reach a point where it's like, okay, I'm full. (laughs) 
it, <laughs> it can feel that way sometimes, you know, because we throw a lot of junk in there. We're carrying this heavy load. Yeah. And our processor slows down. Of know? course. And we block some things out. And that's another way yeah. we cope is we just say, I'm going to block that out. And mm. everybody's different. And so, you know, it really begins with us. We don't begin with anybody else. So how do you break a pattern? You recognize that everything in front of you is a reflection of what's inside of you. So if you're in a situation where you feel irritated by, you know, the car in front of you is going too slow and you're like this stupid stinking car, if they would only speed up, it's a reflection that you're feeling something in you. So why is that car on that particular day in that particular moment triggering me? What is it in me that is showing up that needs to be felt? And if we don't feel it, it's going to resurface. That's the thing with emotions. They don't just go away. They have to be processed. So they'll just come up. So then you'll go home another thing or you'll bitch about something. And it it just, it does it for us because once we process them, we gain what we need on this planet, why we're here. We all are here for a purpose. And we're here to get the job done. And our spirit's going to keep reminding us, oh yeah, remember you're here for this. (laughs) And you're going to need some energy for that. So I'm going to keep showing you that you have this inside of you that needs to be processed because (laughs) without this processing, you're not going to be able to achieve what you came here to do. So I will keep helping you out, (laughs) but you need to wake up and be aware and acknowledge that it even exists for us to work together. I love that analogy of the mirror, that reflection. So often those emotions hit that mirror inside (laughs) Uh of us. We bounce that back, reflecting it, projecting it back on others, puking it back on others sometimes with those emotions. Yeah, it is a mirror. And it's not easy to hear that all the time. And sometimes I know, you know, I've got three daughters and Two of them are older and there is an age where your kids like to blame things on you. They like to say, oh, you're this, <laughs> you know, you're this and that. And, and you know, t- sometimes it takes everything in me to just say, okay, <laughs> ah, I want so bad to, you know, and it's like, no, this is in me. It would not be happening if this weren't in me. I have yeah. to accept full responsibility for this. And boy, you know, when you're paying all the bills and you're working your butt off, there's days where you're like, man, this is tough. (laughs) This is tough, but I get that. But really forgive yourself because we all have thoughts, right? Where we just want to attack the other person. We want to get defensive. It could be an emotion in me that's feeling overextended, right? Uh, A way that I'm managing (laughs) overextending or overworked. And that's something I have to watch because I love what I do. And you might relate to that, Jeffrey. When you love what you do, you know, I could do it 12 hours a day, but that's not good for me because it will show up. I'll end up managing something. And my children are usually the first ones to reflect that because maybe I'm giving them advice or maybe I'm saying, hey, no one does the dishes around here. I do everything, you know, whatever it is that's showing up in me, that's a reaction. (laughs) And then they're reacting. And I have to sit down and say, okay, when I see the dishes aren't done, right? Or there's towels on the floor, 
<laughs> yeah, we're feeling that anxiety of, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little overextended. I'm feeling a little disrespected. I'm feeling any number of things. How does that... And that need to release that, and vent yeah, that. From yeah, your perspective, yeah. what insights can you share on processing those? You know, we mentioned processing earlier. Yeah. How does that make me feel? Feel the feeling. Yeah. Acknowledge. Yeah. Let it flow past. And then yeah. productively yeah. interacting together, especially when there's two parties or more parties. Well, I'll just use the example of my own kids. So in that situation, I, again, I would sit down. I would go through the cleanse. I do it every morning. And I sit down. I just let whatever pops up in my mind, that's what I need to cleanse. It's always interesting. I don't know if you've had this happen, Jeffrey, but when you sit down to do nothing, stuff bubbles up in your head, right? Yeah. And yeah. A lot- yeah, that notion so often is I'm meditating to check out. Right. There's a little bit of a fallacy there. Sometimes we do need to do that. And when the necessity is there, we won't think the thought. Yeah. But generally, it's creating that space, right? Yeah. (laughs) You sit down and all of a sudden you're like, I'm supposed to be meditating, but all I'm thinking about is how my interaction with my daughter yesterday. So that might come up. I would say cleanse it. Like that is something to look at. That's not something to push away. So then I would bring that into my cleanse and I would say, when she spoke to me that way, or when I saw the dishes weren't done, it made me feel. And that's that space, disrespected, underappreciated, whatever's coming up for people, just feel it. And then you go into that third step where you bring in the vibration and that's where you're going to get the flow that you're mentioning. That flow where you're kind of, because your energy levels are going up now, I'm able to release that because I'm coming from a higher space. And then what I'm going to learn from that, what I've learned a lot from cleansing is rather than complaining, bitching, whatever I was doing to manage, you know, it's really what it is, my, my spirit, my evolution that I'm learning to be a better listener. I'm learning to understand myself where my own limits are. That's an internal thing. A lot of people don't know their limits. And I don't even want to say limits, learning to listen of when my body is getting depleted. When is what I'm doing feeding me? Yeah. And when am I feeling uplifted? And when is it turn that, it can really turn that edge, turn that corner. And now I'm being drained by it. Even something I love (laughs) can drain me. And I got to become in tune to when that might be happening and be willing to pump the brakes. And the reality is the quality of my work goes down when I don't pay attention. And I think as a society, we're all learning that. You and I were just talking about that quality versus quantity. Can I produce something of quality and substance rather than just doing a million things and pumping it out there and blasting it in people's faces? That gets old and people tune you out. After a while, just like my children, they'll tune me out. And what do I really want? I really want to be connected. I really want to have a healthy, close relationship with my children. That's what I desire. I like that whole analogy of pumping the brakes. And to relate that to another analogy for me comes to mind. We purchased a hybrid car this last year. Mm. Part of that process of that 
hybrid electric battery, braking actually creates mm -hmm. additional energy for that battery. To me, it was brilliant. It's like we're starting, stopping, starting, stopping. So often we look at that additive buildup in life. Mm -hmm. we neglect to see that energy in that stopping point. Yeah. Recycling, regenerating, and creating a new flow. To me, that comes together in a really weird, unique way to yeah. that act of pumping the brakes is not necessarily a hindrance. It can become a shift in that energy flow that creates a new energy. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I wrote a, a book called The Four Gifts of Anxiety, and um, it talks about recycling energy. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you're saying is it's recycling it yeah. and it's renewing it. And that's exactly what we can do with anything, with any emotion can be converted, recycled into yes. something new. It's, we don't get rid of emotions. We, we transform them. There really are two different worlds to bridge. And they're, it's, it's just challenging because we can't see them. And we've been taught that there's something outside of us, right? And and we've also been taught that if everything is perfect outside of us, then we'll be okay inside. And that, as you can see, that's not the case. <laughs> we really, we really can't control everything. And the more we try to control, <laughs> we really can't. And uh, it's really a time of surrender. A trust, learning to trust what you feel is enough. I you know, relate now. I'm connecting that emotional energy. We, what are we taught? We're mm. feeling energy. We're feeling the emotion. Sometimes we think we see the emotion, but what we're really seeing is just That's the funny. reaction to what's being You're felt so within right. that energy, that bubbling. Yeah, we have an assumption. Yeah. Oh, you have a, that look on your face. That means you don't like me. That means you're not happy with me, right? Or you're, you're means something, right? <laughs> it's, it's just not true. It could be them just blocking Where does the feeling. that line draw that we start to reflect the feelings inside there again we're looking back at that point are we reflecting back another emotional state within us that we aren't acknowledging throughout our program we've talked so much about acknowledging our shadow self those subconscious buried parts of our personality how can these cycles become buried in that shadow part of well, us they are a lot of them are buried and the cool part is is you know, because we know that the brain is neuroplasticity, that we can change the brain and we know that we can change our cells. Our cells are always changing and we literally can regenerate ourselves. And so you can even change your personality. We can even change our personality. And I teach, I'm a psychology <laughs> professor. I'm an adjunct psychology professor and I teach psychology. Right. And I always say to my students, you know, if there's one thing you take away from this class, remember you can change your brain. Don't ever let anybody make you think or don't, yes. certainly don't convince yourself that if you had a hard time in school at some point that you're always going to have a hard time with learning. That's not the case. And um, I think we're learning that more and more. And yes. also, if if you were someone with people told you, oh, you were always angry or difficult, don't let yourself think that that's who you are because you can change that yes. too. We can make a conscious choice. I always say, feel your emotions and let it happen naturally. 
don't try to be someone else. I think there's a lot of social media where like, okay, I want to be like yes. him. Or I want to be like her. Or I went, no, 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 that's not the way you change your personality. We do a lot of those things yeah. throughout life. <laughs> you know, there's kind the- of a duality mm. there because we do learn so much by observing and we do learn so much by mimic and patterning. Mm-hmm. It can be such a gray area to bounce. Speaking to that, notion of personality. Mm. We shared a conversation with a great guest last year named Benjamin Hardy. Dr. Benjamin Hardy wrote a book that was just brilliant to me. I've carried this through so much throughout the last year. Personality isn't permanent Mm -hmm. because so often we are trained that who and what we are is so deeply rooted in our personality that we start to identify and believe that is who and what we are for the entirety of our being. Yeah. Releasing that can become such a trauma if we allow it, can become such a sticking point, mm-hmm. can be rooted in us as a trauma mm-hmm. by ourselves and others. What are some of the tools you can offer to acknowledge some of them and unroot them, move past? Them? Outside of the cleanse tools. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that it, I think that once you start processing your emotions, you'll, you will gain the ability to get some strength. And it's really about learning to, again, to start to ask yourself, what feels right for me? Right. What feels right for me? This might be right for someone else, but what feels right for me? Yes. And whether it's something to eat, right? I'm hungry. Okay. What do I think I want to eat? Right. What have I told myself that I like? Because, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of chicken wings and I my family knows that. Like I know every kind of chicken wing there is. And I compare and I take note. I mean, I love chicken wings. So (laughs) I have told myself a story that I'm that's pretty much my I love chicken wings. But that doesn't always mean that I'm checking in with myself. (laughs) I'm just going with past history, which what you're saying is repetition that that's my, Mm -hmm. I go to the menu and where's the chicken wings? I don't even look at what's on the menu. I say, okay, where are the chicken wings? (laughs) What what kind do you have? (laughs) (laughs) And you want to start to look at the whole menu and you want to kind of scan it and you want to listen and be present to your body And you want to say to yourself, okay, I know I tend to get chicken wings a lot, but what feels right to me right now? What do I need right now? And just kind of breathe into that and notice where you're drawn. Notice where your eyes go. Notice the one that you go and you read again and again. And you can bring that outside of that example into other examples, right? Because what you're saying is is it's a habit and habits do create our personality. We get habitual and we get predictable. That's how people know our personalities is they say, I know what he's going to say because I just know him so well that when you tell him this, he's going to say this, right? That's an example of a personality. And so you want to start to kind of do what feels right for you. And people might test you and they might be like, but you always get chicken wings. You sure you want the chicken wings? You sure? Are you really going to be happy if you don't get the chicken wings? Yeah, you can see how. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're like, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't go outside. But that's you questioning you, 
right? That's you not trusting your body, your sense, your feelings. And so that's what I would recommend. Just do it. Just kind of be curious with yourself and let yourself be open. And if people challenge you, kind of laugh and say, no, I'm just kind of checking some things out. And yeah, I know I never eat, you know, vegetarian, but hey, you know, what the heck? <laughs> There's that old notion of this 42 flavors. Let's try them all. You know, it's, it's probably more than that now. <laughs> Again, it's another pattern. You know, we get stuck. Well, is it only 42 yeah. or they're endless? Do we truly yeah. tap our endless potential, expand our awareness and be open to where our infinite potential might guide us? Absolutely. What feels right for yes. you. That's your exercise for 21. Feel the feels. <laughs> That's right. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And, and do be we willing. even acknowledge it as being uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is that another pattern we're adopted? One of the things I've looked at through 2020 was that notion of, do we have to become uncomfortable to grow? Yes. Or is that another pattern? <laughs> do we have to? Or can we consciously make a choice and say, yeah, I don't have to form a relationship and experience an uncomfort with this. Am I creating an uncomfort out of a habit pattern? Perhaps. Perhaps. There you go. Perhaps. Perhaps. It should be that middle ground. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a flip to every coin so often. Yeah. Let that potential be. There. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It could be uncomfortable. Or it could not be uncomfortable, right? Either way. Yeah, and that can be an uncomfortable notion to challenge because so often we're told Mm -hmm. we can't grow without a struggle. True. We can't grow without a challenge. There's no motivation. True. There's been plenty of times in life where I can cite where I say, well, I just made a choice to put myself in that position. Yeah. And it didn't have to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Even if it was challenging, it didn't have to be uncomfortable to be challenged. You know, it's a point of reference. Point of reference. And then there again, it's your choice. Absolutely. Well, you know, that when when uh the Abraham Maslow is something I teach in psychology. Have yes. you ever heard of Abraham? You know, the oh, yeah. pyramid yeah. of self-actualization, if anyone took a psych 101 class. And he really looked yeah. at people who we thought were self-actualized. And one of the qualities of of that he found in people like Albert Einstein, things that yeah. you know we consider reaching their fullest potential on the planet was this idea that seeing stress as making life interesting. <laughs> Are there other ways we can make life interesting? Right. And is yeah. that a pattern? Like you know, that's, that's yeah. a hundred year old theory now, hundred plus. Yeah. Maslow. Yeah. We still are right. holding on to him and Freud, you know, a lot of those theories for a hundred years. Is that a generational pattern yeah. that we can also open the door and say, hey, there might be an infinite potential here yeah. that we are blocking or we've sure. created our own limitations yeah. from? Perhaps. Perhaps. I love it. That's our big <laughs> theme of the day. Perhaps. It's our theme of the day. Perhaps. Perhaps our listeners <laughs> might want to reach out to you. Sherry Ann, and discover more about your programs and your books. 
How would we like to connect them today with that potential? Sure. It's uh, my name, which is sherriannaboyle.com is my website. And that's where all my books are. Emotional Detox, Emotional Detox for Anxiety. I also wrote a book on love. I like to mention that one, Choosing Love and my coaching (laughs) and classes. And then I have another website, which is called cleanselife.com. And that has all of my yoga. I, I teach yoga and I create downloads and people can access them on that site. Awesome. Well, I am so glad we got to share this conversation today. I'm feeling some very positive, very enlightened, and very feel-good emotions today. We're happy. Happy, happy, happy. happy. Well, I am so happy we got to talk. Thank you so much. I also feel very grateful. Thanks for inviting me. I'd love to do this again. Well, I have a new book coming out, so I would love that. Not Fantastic. In October, next see. October. Um, yeah. And we could plan. Yeah. Come back. I'll be back in the next fall. I'll come back. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we look forward to that, dear. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Throughout our lives, we so often self-perpetuate the negative cycles we experience. We looked at how we often process our emotions and the effects our emotional cycles play in our sense of balance and harmony. Poet Robert Frost tells us, the best way out is through. Getting stuck in toxic cycles of behavior can lead to so much unnecessary challenge, suffering, and struggle. They limit our ability to remain in a balanced and happy flow with ourselves and others. Emotional detoxes are enhanced by increasing access to emotions. The key is to being open to experiencing them. When we lower our levels of reactivity to emotions and experiences, we will be more willing to experience the depths of our emotions, allowing us to have an authentic experience of our lives in a deeper connection with the people in it. Now, Sherry Anna and I explored several great insights sharing how an emotional detox might benefit you. But we want to know, what did you find meaningful in today's show? Drop us a line, tag us in a note to a friend on social media at The Light Inside Podcast, or leave us a review telling others how we are helping you discover your light inside. Joining us next week is Andrew Ecker, where we will be taking a look at how emotional traumas can shape who and what we are. Find out more next week on The Light Inside.